Thursday, March 4, 2004, at 8.58 p.m. It's the month of February 2004. This is a complete account of what happened to me 33 years ago, to the best of my memory and writing style. My intention is to record this while I still have the ability to do so. The reader should understand that some of this is reminiscence that I did not want to remember. I tried to push it out of my mind. Over the years, I've tried to focus solely on the positive rather than the negative, but I'm acutely aware of the existence of both. This is my profile. It happened to me, and I'm stuck with the consequences. 1971 is the year. It's the summer before my freshman year of high school, and I'm 14 years old. For the third year in a row, I applied to work at a Boy Scout summer camp. I was not offered a position the first two summers I applied. This was my last chance, and the camp director hired me to work in the camp kitchen. It wasn't what I had in mind, but I agreed. The camp ran like a well-oiled machine. Every Saturday, all of the scouts left camp, and every Sunday, a new group of troops arrived. Campers were required to pass a swim test on the first day of their arrival in order to participate in lake activities. I volunteered to watch over the new campers as they performed their swim test because working in the kitchen was difficult with little time off and because I was a certified junior lifeguard. Each guard was given a long aluminum pole to use as a lifeline in the event that someone needed to be dragged dockside. Swimmers had to swim two laps, unassisted, around a boat slip surrounded on three sides by docks. The open side of the pool was surrounded by boys strung along a length of rope for the swim test. On this particular day, I had observed several groups successfully complete their tests. During one of the evaluations, however, one swimmer, a boy of about 13 years old, began to struggle and cried out for help. All I had to do was lower the pole so he could grab onto it and I'd pull him out. But instinctively, my lifeguard training kicked in and I jumped into the water feet first, legs spread apart like on a bicycle. I quickly grabbed the boy, spun him around and placed him in a carry position with my arm diagonally across his chest. It's a strong grip that will keep him from fighting me if he panics. I decided to put him in a chin carry instead because he was quite docile and this hold was tiring. That was a mistake because the boy felt less secure and became anxious as a result. He hit the side of my head with a roundhouse right hook in a split second of a panic before I knew what had happened. The blow to the head was severe and left me dazed. I struggled to keep my eyes open. As my awareness faded, I began to sink deeper and deeper into the water. My body needed oxygen because I had been exerting myself, carrying the boy back to dockside. My chest heaved instinctively, forcing my lungs to take in water. Surprisingly, it wasn't that bad. My lungs were full, which relieved the pressure, but I had a feeling I was going to die today. My arms and body went limp. I was sinking as I watched the water turn from light green to dark green. What's going on? What exactly is it? It makes no sense. I think I see people running along the wooden paths here and there. Oh, I see water there, and those are wooden docks. The boy I was rescuing is now alone in the water. He's frantically looking around. He's sobbing. I understand. I'm floating above it all, looking down at the lake and the docks. I can't see myself because I'm submerged, but how am I able to see this? Why? I'm probably about 50 feet above the water. I would like to go down. 
I have a place down there. How do I calm down? I'm being pulled higher into the sky as if I have a rubber band attached to my back that has reached its limit. I can't believe I can't see the lake anymore. I'm floating in the sky. The earth is drawing away from me. It's visible to me and it's getting smaller. I'm floating in space. Except for the stars, it's pitch black. They began to move slowly, streaking the black backdrop and forming lines of light. As I accelerate, I have the impression that I'm nearing the end of the universe, with stars whizzing by. The lights create a walled effect, similar to Star Trek's warp drive. I'm moving fast, faster than is physically possible, but there's no real sensation other than sight. Then, there was darkness. It's pitch black. I don't see anything. There's none. I squint in an attempt to see something. Anything. This bothers me. And I'm terrified. I have the impression that I'm in a universe devoid of all things. It is infinite in size and completely devoid of life. There is no one else. There is nothing else. I am on my own. There's no such thing as a person. Life. Death. Love. Hatred. Or salvation. Except for me, there's nothing but vast emptiness. My senses are overwhelmed by loneliness. Anything would be fine with me. Please. Please, I can't stay here any longer. Wait. I've noticed something. Is it just me or do I hear something? Is it possible that my mind is playing tricks on me? I can hear people laughing. But I'm not sure I like the sound of it. I see a speck of light. It's growing in size, but I'm not sure of what, if anything, it is. The laughter is also becoming more audible. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. The light begins to take shape. Huh? I can't believe what I'm witnessing. It's not possible. Yes, it is. It's not possible. I notice a face, except that it isn't a face. I'm not sure what it is because it's a skull laughing. It's not a funny laugh. It's ominous. He's laughing at my misfortune. It's a dreadful sound that sends chills up my spine. It speaks to me and tells me that I will be with him forever. I start to hear other people talking. They're getting closer. With evil and menacing conspiratorial voices. They were either brought by the skull or followed it. I'm terrified. I'm aware of their presence encircling me. These are creatures of the night. I'm not able to see them, but I am aware of them. They're close. They're just as dark as the rest of the room. The skull continues to laugh. Ouch! Something has clawed me, and I'm being bitten as if I was being tasted. They are then let loose on me, clawing, scratching, and biting. It's as if my skin is being peeled away. Ah, oh, the agony. Please, God, help me. This is too much for me. Please, God, assist me. The assaults continue. 
Then I recall an old parish priest telling me that evil cannot exist in God's presence. I beg you, Lord Jesus Christ, please help me. Please assist me. The attacks become less frequent and eventually cease entirely. The evil entities slink away into the darkness. I'm alone in the black emptiness again, but I'm relieved. I notice something else a few moments later. It's yet another speck of light. Oh, please don't make it that skull again. It's getting closer and splitting into multiple lights. What exactly are these? They grow in size. They resemble soap bubbles. Soap bubbles abound. Soap bubbles, soap bubbles, soap bubbles, soap bubbles, soap bubbles, soap bubbles, soap. They're all around you. Hundreds of thousands, then millions. The colors are stunning, vibrant, and translucent. Each bubble moves in its own unique way. They're still alive. They do not endanger me. They are excellent. I'm not sure why I'm seeing this. What exactly are they? The bubbles begin to move past me slowly at first, then more quickly. I'm either moving or they are. But I'm not sure which is which. The movement of the bubbles past me creates streaks of red and violet light bars, encasing me in a tube of colored lights that culminates into a distant vortex. I don't have a choice but to go through it. It's time to review your life experiences. I hear at the end. Is anyone there? Who said it? I don't see anybody. I'm the one keeping an eye on you. Is it you? My guardian angel? If you want, yes. It felt good to be in the company of another. And then, like watching a big movie screen, my life was played out in front of me, instance by instance, moment by moment. It would be natural to expect this to take some time, but time does not exist. Billy is there. He's about five or six years old. When I was a kid, I used to play with him. We're messing around with cars behind the orange brick duplex around the street from my house. I say something hurtful to Billy. It's not a nice thing to say. I'm being cruel and vindictive. The difference now is that I can feel him in pain. He's sobbing. I understand his anguish. I'm sorry, Billy. I should not have hurt you in that way. And so it went, moment by moment, review by review feeling the consequences of my actions until my time in the lake came to an end. Why am I putting myself through this? You review your life in order to cleanse your soul, my angel replied. How are you feeling? Terrible. I'm such a nasty person. I had no idea I was causing so much pain to others. It is critical that you learn from this. Yes, I have. I accept responsibility and apologize profusely. Do you want to see it again? No. I understand the message. I'm hoping I'm not judged harshly. Your life is being judged by the most powerful judge in the world. When does this occur? It has already. You are the judge. Everything becomes clear to me and I feel as if a weight has been lifted. I feel revitalized. I'm now prepared. 
The cleansing is over, and I'm back in the dark, but not for long. Wow. That was like a door opening into the darkness. I'm being bombarded by streaks of bright, white, brilliant light. It's debilitating. It's the most pure and white light I've ever seen. It's like a blanket wrapped around me. This bright light should be impossible to look at, but it isn't. It's lovely and warm. The light bathes me in a radiance of overwhelming love and inner peace. It's absolutely fantastic. I get closer. Someone is stopping in the doorway. Streams of white light encircle his body. He's wearing a white robe, and his arms are down and outstretched, palms up. No matter how hard I try, I can't make out his face. There's far too much light. We've been expecting you. But this isn't the right time for you to be here. That voice is familiar to me. I'm familiar with him. Why can't I tell who you are? I'm sure I've met you before. I've never felt such inner peace as I do right now. This location appeals to me. I'd like to stay here. I have a feeling that if I take his hand, I will be able to stay. In fact, if I touch him, I have no choice but to stay. I will not be allowed to return to my previous life. I don't want to go back. I reach out to him, but I'm unable to touch him. Perhaps you should look into the future before you leave. He makes a motion to his left. I notice a white table to my right. It's made of stone, possibly marble. A flat gold bowl on the table is filled with a liquid such as oil or water. It's dark and reflective. Three elderly men dressed in white stand behind the table. Two people are seated. One is standing near something, such as a pillar or a podium. There could be a book written about it. They motion for me to approach, and I do. Look into the bowl to see mankind's future. When I look into the black liquid, I see devastation. Cities are catching fire. It's heinous. I move my gaze away. This is something I don't want to see. Why are you showing this to me? We'd like you to take a message with you. Man needs to change his ways. However, I'm only one person. What should I do? Spread the word. You have a special ability, he continued. I knew he was referring to my extrasensory abilities. I'd like to ask you a question. We will accept whatever is your first response. You can't change your mind later. Do you get it? Yes. Yes, I do. What exactly is the question? Do you want your abilities and the ability to see into the future? I respond immediately. No. I just want to be normal. All right, then. It's finished. I leave this area only to find myself again in front of the man in the white robe who's blocking my path. I'd like to participate. It's so relaxing here. Can I remain here? You still have work to do. You can't stay. This isn't your time. But I'd like to stay. Please allow me. Let me show you something. Three small bubbles appeared from the darkness on the left as a result. They grow in size 
They resemble the bubbles I've seen before. I can see the faces of three small children, two boys and one girl as they get closer. Who exactly are they? They're your kids. But I'm only 14 years old. I don't have any kids. You will, and these are your options. Don't you notice? You must return so that these children can be born. When I look at their faces, I notice that one bubble is distinct from the other two. Why is he apart? He isn't born. He's your child, but he'll stay here. Huh? How is that possible? He hasn't been born yet, but he's my child? You'll understand one day. You must remember that he exists and loves you while he's still here. After that, the other two children fade away, becoming smaller and smaller until they vanish. It's past time for you to return. I try to reach out and touch him again, but I'm yanked backwards. The light decreases in size. I'm back in the dark and moving backwards. I'm sure I'll be back. Then there's a crack. I'm back in my body with a jolt. I find myself sitting in the mud at the bottom of the lake. I need to get some fresh air. My legs twitch. My arms begin to paddle up. Will I be able to finish? I don't believe I can. It has to be at least 10 or 12 feet tall. I require fresh air. I finally feel air with my right hand after much struggle. I break the surface with a few more strokes. I cuff up water from my lungs right away. The young swimmer is terrified. It's in his eyes. He begins to assist me. That's quite ironic. I'm still coughing and gasping, but I'm getting air into my lungs and it feels good. One of the senior waterfront instructors sprints down the dock towards us. I resume pulling the boy to shore as quickly as I can. I'm exhausted, but I'm still able to complete the task. I was assisting you, the boy says. I cut him off and help the senior instructor push him up onto the dock. He thanks me for saving the boy. I'm dazed and perplexed. I say nothing and exit the water. My body is fine, but my mind is reeling from what just happened. Prior to this incident in my life, I had many paranormal encounters. Following that, the activity died down. It wasn't completely eliminated, but I could live with it and interpret things better as a result. Overall, the old men I spoke with helped me become normal, for which I'm grateful. I've often wondered why a 14-year-old would come into contact with such a malevolent entity. After all, how bad can a 14-year-old boy's life be to warrant such a treatment? I've concluded that my trip to the other side was unplanned, so family and friends there were unprepared for my arrival. Because no one knew I was coming, I became an easy target for the dark entities. In contrast, I like to believe that at the appropriate time, someone will assist me in navigating a safe passage. I was a Catholic at the time of my near-death experience. Following that, I continued to attend a Catholic school. In fact, the school was a pre-seminary for boys preparing for the priesthood. But I'd changed. Religion, any religion, no longer mattered to me. I no longer saw the church as the destination, but rather as a vehicle that some people used to get there. My current point of view is centered on the concept of a creator with a divine plan that was revealed to us at his own pace and his own time. Is this the first time I've ever met the creator? 
I'm not sure. An interesting side note to the story is that for the next two years of school, I studied classical Greek. During that time, I became acquainted with the ancient Greek belief in the fates. These were ancient sages who were usually depicted in white robes with white beards. There were three of them, if I recall correctly. One fate determined a person's birth time, another his death time, and the third his lifespan. When I learned of this, the similarity to my near-death experience frightened me. Could I have approached the fates? Years later, I met the woman who would become my wife. Despite the fact that she still doesn't believe me, the moment I saw her, my head went boing like a spring releasing its energy. I knew it right away that I'd met my future wife. And as predicted, we had three children, one of whom was miscarried and never born. And I did, in fact, come to understand. What else have I discovered? I'm confident that our actions have an impact on others, both positively and negatively, and that we will recognize this fact in the next place. I am aware that there is evil and goodness, darkness and light, suffering and serenity. I am aware that humanity has the ability to extinguish itself. Above all, I know that our souls, our beings, and what we are do not die. Beyond this world, our journey continues. At the very least, we gain a new perspective in the next location. It's just that it's not a complete understanding of everything. And while we seek the answer to life's puzzle, we may return to this world in a new installation, but wearing the same fabric of our existence. I also believe that we are born with the other souls with whom we choose to travel. That's how I recognized my wife the first time I saw her. That is correct. After each life we live, we grow stronger and truer, tempered by our experiences, until we reach the end of our journey and are truly born.